Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do. Do psychology costs. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking to Brad, who's going to be sharing his training route in becoming a clinical psychology. So he is doing the doctorate training program. But let him introduce himself. Welcome, Brad, to Psychology Cast. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well, and it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, so, yeah, thanks for inviting me on to Psychology Cast, Jollo. Um, so, yeah, my name is Brad. I'm a second year trainee clinical psychologist, and I'm studying at Royal Holloway University of London. At the moment, I'm placed in um, a child psychology service. And I spent my first year on placement in IAPT, working as a CBT therapist as well. Um, and yeah, so far, I've really enjoyed my clinical training. It has been a bit of a long journey to get here. But if I reflect back on how I felt as an undergrad psychology student, knowing what the path was going to be like, I'd say to myself, it's well worth the uh, the wait and the journey. So yeah, I'm really pleased to be on training and on this podcast today to share my story. So yeah, once again, thank you. No, thanks for your time. I know how busy it is um, being like training. You've got so many things going on. You've got assessments, you've got this observation, that analysis to do. So appreciate taking the time. And I think it's important for like, you know, for our audience to hear like not every journey is uh, identical to one another and everyone has unique i know we talked about this before our journey so my first question is on the podcast and is about what made you gain psychology in the first place like what what was the trigger point for you do you think like what do you think well, maybe there's a few things but what do you think what what you into it what was the moment like you think no i'm gonna study psychology as a future mm. that's a great question um so thank you for asking it and it's often something that i like to reflect on Personally, it helped me a lot reflecting on that defining moment, that seed that was planted that made me want to be a psychologist, particularly when I was writing my application. It helped me uh, think about why it is I want to help other people. Uh, it's a motivating force. And that seed that was planted was when I secured my very first job at the age of 16 as a housekeeper in a nursing home. My responsibilities were fairly simple. Um, you know, cleaning the tables, um, changing the bins, hoovering the floors. But I viewed it as my responsibility to do much more than that, uh, because I noticed many of the residents were low in mood. And whilst I could have a positive impact by making sure that people had a nice environment, um, psychology informed environment, you could say, um, if it was clean enough. Um, but I wanted to do more to uplift their spirits. So maybe I'd crack a cheeky joke here and there or um, do, doing whatever I could to create a warm atmosphere. So whilst I could do that through my interactions and I could uplift people's spirits, um, you know, each shift I was there, when I'd return the following week, I'd often notice that those spirits that I had raised would drop again. And that's when I realised that I wanted to learn how to give therapy which might have a longer lasting impact. Um, so yeah, that really started me off on my journey to studying psychology um, at A-level. Um, and it really planted that seed, like I know I want to be a psychologist at that point to help other people. When I was at college, 
I would say I didn't really put in the effort required to secure good A levels. Um, so my first year, I was quite disappointed with the grades I received. I actually received DDE um, in my first year, and that was quite shocking for me. I thought, what, wow. What were you studying? What, what, uh, so I was doing such... psychology, sociology, okay. and law, and I just didn't apply myself. Um, so when I got those grades, I was thought, right, I've got two options now. Uh, one, I can give up. Two, I can really pull up my socks and you know try and turn this around. And thankfully, I chose the second option. Um, I pulled up my socks, uh, did the resets, and got ABC and got into university. Um, and that's where I started studying psychology at Bournemouth University. So my question on that is, no, thank you for sharing that. I think like I'm fascinated by why, what was like, okay, what was the feeling like when you had those grades? Was that was that like a, a point of realization? Like, like what what was the like well, the moment thing? Do you know what I need to? Um, do something about this or dress it or to engage with this like in sometimes things happen to us in thinking like um why did i put in that effort before but why is it different now why 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 do you think that moment was different why did you feel like you had to i don't know re-engage or refocus with that like before it was a bit relaxed if you like we like um but then so what happened like what was the change moment do you think i'm fascinated to know about that Mm. <laughs> thank you for asking that um at the time or prior to my a-levels i would say i had an external locus of control so i believed you know whatever mm. um was going to happen academically whatever my abilities were um you could say a fixed mindset that was set so i didn't realize that if i put in more effort maybe i could achieve more so that feeling when I received the grades was just absolutely devastated. I thought, oh, I had my eyes set on going to university. Maybe that's not going to be possible now. So in that moment, I was really um, yeah, frustrated with myself. And that's when I realized, actually, I do have some control in this situation. I can turn this around. And as soon as I had that moment, that belief mm -hmm. is something that stayed with me um, throughout my journey since then and I think it's something that's been very important for my path to become becoming a clinical psychologist so for example I knew attending university how competitive the clinical psychology doctorate was but also that I do have some responsibility in my path so I would look for as many opportunities as possible and often I'd create them um, in order to yeah improve my chances of becoming a psychologist and ultimately helping people um, as as i wanted to by delivering therapy um, one of the ways that this uh, belief is manifested so whilst i was studying i knew that i needed to gain some sort of clinical experience so i looked on google around my family home are there any hospitals mental health hospitals near where i live came across a hospital and i just simply emailed in saying hi I'm a psychology student. Uh, I'd love to come and do some volunteering with you. Um, I'm home in the summertime. Please can I, um, yeah, come and volunteer. And they said, oh, it's great to hear from you. Well, not exactly verbatim, but they said, uh, yeah, why don't you come on in for a chat? And they actually offered me a job. So not only uh, mm -hmm. did I not see this opportunity, but I created it. And it turned out to be much better than I expected because I was actually being paid um to help other people i was an activities coordinator which 
maybe is not the gold standard of clinical psychology doctorate uh, experience. Often people look to assistant psychologist jobs. However, as an undergraduate, that was a very valuable role, learning how to interact with um, people with various psychological difficulties, as well as how to call bingo numbers effectively. <laughs> so yeah, I'd call bingo, I'd, I'd lead activities, and it was a great role. Yeah, I, I just think that's, that's, you know, that's a great example of like how it happened for you or how it's happening for you, that it's not this type of like um, hypothetical situation where we think we're going to do this. This is a real, you know, two types of lived experiences. One is about, you know, the, um, the grades bit. And then the second bit is like that interaction, human interaction with another person and created a, 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 a pathway, an opportunity. Um, so going back to the first point, I went to like the reason why I asked that question fascinating is because I went through a similar sort of like emotional reaction to the grades. This was like GCSE level, so it wasn't, and I didn't get the grades to go into college. So I had to do, um, uh, as I've mentioned in the podcast before, a, a apprenticeship because I didn't have the requirement stuff to go into further education. But that thing that you said earlier about making you realise about how much control that you have um it really made me focus and I that's why I was wondering like I wonder if it was the same for you about the realization that actually I can do something about it I'm going to do something but I, and I will do something about it and that is like a central ingredient to the way you go about what you do today 100% and um, yeah thank you for sharing that because I think it's really important that for me anyway that you know just because something happens to us um mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it defines us and it certainly doesn't mean it defines our future if anything these temporary failures really drive yeah. for me anyway and for you i'm sure drive our future forward so it actually made me think um and this is what i actually did uh, i studied a master's after my undergrad and i i wrote down three targets on there um get mm. a distinction in my master's secure an ap role assistant psychologist role and get a place on the doctorate. So I wrote those down at the start of my master's. And if I didn't have this belief in myself, then I wouldn't have even thought that. Did you write them in on the journal or like a book? So like, you know, um, how, did so, you visualize it? Is that because I'm just it, thinking all oh, the audience might think, oh, like this is a very good technique. So thanks for sharing. But yeah, tell us how, what you did. So how, it was just yeah. on a post-it note, actually, and I put it above my desk. So yeah. um, it was in COVID, I was doing my master's. So I'd be studying and nearly every day. I'd be I'd see that there. Um, but if I didn't have that temporary failure, which taught mm -hmm. me I can actually succeed because I turned my A-levels around. So so anyway, I wrote those things on the uh, post-it note. I believed that it was possible to make it happen. And because I believed it, I actually put in the work to make it happen. And um, I secured all three. I, I think I actually wrote on the post-it note, secure an excellent AP role. And I thought this was pretty unheard of. I got in a senior assistant psychologist position as my very first one. So um, I'm a real firm believer that, you know, if you do believe in your ability to succeed, then you can, you know, make these things happen. And that's why I think it's so important that we share our stories as well, because, you know, my first role was as a housekeeper in a nursing home. I nearly failed my A-levels. Um, and, you know, at that stage, maybe I didn't know other people who were in a position like me who had turned it around. But by sharing our stories, it, it shows to other people that actually um, they made it. Like well, I can make it too. 
Um, that's what I hope for anyway. Yeah, you, you talk a lot about, you know, like inspiration and empowerment. I suppose, it's, would you say that's what was happening throughout the uh, process? Like you feel inspired, you feel empowered. Um, like how do you do you agree or disagree? You don't have to agree with that. But that's, I think that when I look about other, uh, my own journey and how I've got to it, I'm like, yes, yeah, about the inspiration, you see the others and it just motivates you, empowers you on the two. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And and certainly it definitely has motivated me. I think one of the really big motivating factors as well is when, when I was a cleaner, I recognized that each member of the organization can play a role on impacting one person in a positive way. Um, but the way to have the biggest impact is if everyone works together in that organization to create a positive impact. So it doesn't matter if I do, well, it does matter if I, you know, play my role, but if other people aren't, um, it's kind of going to counteract yeah. each other in some way. So before I started um, university, I, I kind of said to my goal, uh, said to myself, like, I really want to be um, an amazing psychologist. I want to have a really big impact on, on people's lives. And reflecting back on the people who I used to work with when I was a housekeeper, really does motivate me to think, you know, you know, what would they think of me right now if they saw, actually, I, I mentioned I wanted to be a psychologist and here I am doing it now. And I think that's always a driving, a really positive driving factor to think about where I once was, what I was doing and um, not forgetting where I came from in order to um, continue moving forward. And is that something for you as well that you think about? Yeah, I, I I I think about my own sort of like own like what they call reflective practice, and I think just the behaviour in itself. Um, when you're say teaching or collaborating or doing stakeholdership partnership meetings or communicating with colleagues, I see it like that's so it's like the behaviour the technique is like doing it every day. So you start off the exercise. I didn't realize it was an exercise, I just thought it was a journey. And then you realize you learn these techniques, these codes, if you like, and then you practice them in your um, everyday sort of, you know, job or role when it comes to interacting with humans. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting how you you, you learn these codes. Um, and I think they are something that sometimes they become embedded in us and who we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes perhaps we can forget about them as well. And one of the codes or mantras that I've adopted over time and I, um, I'm really trying to adopt now is just trying to be better every day. Um, and, you know, sometimes that might sound a bit pressurizing, but, you know, it could be 1% better. And if we're doing something 1% better than the day before every day over mm -hmm. time, that's going to lead to quite a significant impact. That did actually come from a NHS trust. Um, so they'd be, they'd be proud to hear that, you know, I've adopted uh, one of their mottos as well. But I know lots of people do, um, you know, take these codes forward, um, whether that's trying to have a positive impact in their life, in other people's lives, um, kind of like a value in some ways. Yeah, I just, there's another, there's a question that came to mind, you don't have to answer it, but um, it's about, um, you can just say we could let's, let's get back. There's no right answer to this one. That's fine. But this question was about and talk about you know like you said that you were a cleaner, mm. 
Now, do you think, right, um, that sometimes there's a stigma attached, or was there a stigma attached when it comes to, like, say, healthcare assistant, support worker, cleaner, you know, basically customer service, uh, retail, because I, I, I did the roles. Um, I, I, I did support work, I did uh, customer service for quite some time. I'm actually learned a lot in customer service, retail, store management, that kind of thing. But I'm just thinking, is there a stigma attached in the professional psychology when they see these people think, oh, I don't want to be, you know, a healthcare assistant. I want to be an assistant psychologist. I want to be, I'm just thinking like, you know, why would I go for these roles? Because they're too beneath me. That's what sometimes people perceive it that way when they're not. I'm just thinking, what, is there a stigma attached? And that stigma, does it then act as a barrier of people progressing because they're self-stigmatizing, if you like. Mm, mm. Great <laughs> question. Um, and yeah, I think being a housekeeper, yeah, when you're working in an organisation with various levels, likewise as a support worker, healthcare assistant, it's possible to feel self-stigmatised because you're comparing yourself to other people. And I certainly felt that way. And I also feel, so for example, I, I'd compare myself to other people and think I want to be doing a, a better job um, because of the job title. And really the type of job that it is in some ways doesn't matter if you're having a positive impact on other people. And you can achieve that as a cleaner, as a support worker. Mm. I think as healthcare professionals generally, we can all play a really important role in decreasing that stigma and stereotypes for people in support worker roles, housekeeper roles. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I was a cleaner or when I was a support worker, when you interact with someone who's senior, they can choose two ways to interact. They might uh, ignore the staff that are below them, um, you know, in terms of healthcare support workers, which is something that I have felt uh, before, mm -hmm. or they can play a role in uplifting, motivating and thanking them and in doing so helping them to do the best job possible um, and helping their clients that they're working with often for a much longer time period. If a support worker is there for 12 hours a day, they can have a much bigger impact on someone than um, if someone's with them for one hour a day. Um, but that, that doesn't mean that that one hour isn't important. I'm trying to illustrate the importance of having a positive impact, not just on the mm -hmm. client, but yeah. on the whole yes. team as well. And it's really come to life um, for me recently. So I work um, primarily remotely. Um, so I don't uh, see the admin staff that often, but they help us in booking in patients. And every time I book in, um, I always do what I feel is natural, just being myself and saying thank you um, when I'm emailing, please can you book in this patient? Uh, this client, sorry. Um, and the administrator said, oh, Brad, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to help out. You're always so kind. And it made me think not every clinician does the same as I do, which is just being genuinely thankful for the work that they do. And it made me realise that having been a housekeeper and having been a support worker, I understand how it feels to be in those types of roles and therefore I can have a positive impact on those people. So I think on the journey to becoming a clinical psychologist, for me, it has been a great asset 
into my personal and professional development because not only does it mean that I know how to interact with clients but also with the wider staff team and I can empathize with them. Thank, thank you for that that's a very thoughtful answer um, I just think that actually you're right about people can have an impact and there's I like what you said about there's two ways of responding to that like in terms of like you can respond that way or you can respond the other way the thing is about choice isn't it and i think like you know we said about valuing them and listening to uh, people at all levels because they spend more time and plus it's to improve the working practices the client or um the person that we support the experience of the service um so when you're so why do you think people do it then? Like, what do you think? Do you think, I know there's like a form of elitism when it comes to these types of like roles, like, oh, you're just a so-and-so and this sort of like snobbery. Um, but it's like, why do you think, why do you think people do it? Like, why do you think people are dismissed? Um, like when they see a cleaner, oh, they've got nothing important to say or important to. Um, why do you think we we do it as humans? Is it because it's unfamiliar territory, do you think, like when you have more, you know, like that kind of like people working in similar roles, so they know what it's about, like yourself. I'm just thinking, why do people do it? Like, so you see it on the job application, but, you know, like people want, don't, don't want to put that in and they try to look for these other things, like I need to put that in my CV because they think somehow that's going to be the, so it's that level of like, I don't know, I don't know if it's elitism or snobbery, it's, it seems like that, but what you're saying about human interaction, respect, this is more important rather than job titles and you know but <laughs> yeah and exactly what you just said there it's the way that we frame the role and yeah. if we're feeling that's that stigma it's going to be hard for us to frame it in a positive way yeah. of i was a cleaner but i still had a really big positive impact on people's yeah. lives um or it was i was a cleaner and i i made the the home clean so the way that we frame things is really important um, and that's something that I, I try to adopt in my approach is how, how do we frame it in something that's um, more positive. One of the issues I think is why why do you know if we're walking through a world why do some people maybe think um, not to ask the housekeeper or the support worker for their input and vice versa, why does the housekeeper or support worker not want to share their input? And I think it really comes down to power when the people in these roles potentially are on a lower salary, they're in an organization where there is a hierarchy. Um, so naturally those, those people in higher paid roles or with uh, different job titles, because of that and their experience, of course, to get those roles, because of that, then their voices are, are going to be promoted more but I think that's where we come in and say actually we, we we've heard you know the voices of the people that we usually hear but it is so important that we hear every voice in an organization um, in order to make sure that you know we're doing the best work we can do um, as a collective to improve um, lives yeah I, I I think that's a it's a it's a really important point that you make because we, as a discipline, like, you know, we're trying to improve the, like I said, our, not just our workforce, but the practices that come with it. And we need to allow everybody in um, to make the change because people are relatable at different levels. So I'm just thinking then in terms of like your own journey then, 
um, like what what what's it looking like at the moment? Because um, we might revisit this conversation once the tenure is complete. But what's it, what's trading like for you at the moment? Mm. Training is a real privilege, I would say. It's a pleasure, and it really is an honour to to finally sit in a room with <laughs> someone to listen, to validate, and empathise with them, and by doing so, playing a small role in helping to improve their life in a way that they see fit. When I first started training, I really felt the pressure to try to have the biggest impact possible in those 50 minutes. Um, and my supervisor helped me reflect on that by saying, Brad, you don't need to create uh, you know, a significant change in their outcome measures, their questionnaires they complete before and after the session. You just need to do a little thing uh, which makes them feel a little bit better in that session. And you do that consistently each week. Um, and that's where the change occurs. So for me, I find it to be, um, yeah, a, a really nice role to have. I'm halfway through my training at the moment. I have found it to be um, exciting and stimulating. So, um, you know, I did undergrad psychology. I did a master's and then I worked for a year as an assistant psychologist and it made me realise that I do actually enjoy writing assignments, um, you know, a case report in order to help me reflect on the work that I'm doing to really consolidate my learning, but also getting really engaged in research. So I'm just at the starting point of my thesis, um, which is 25,000 words long. And, you know, I was a bit surprised at that coming from undergrad and masters where there are 5,000 words. Or oh, A-level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the A-level days, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder definitely. what that version would say of you, like doing it now, like the A-level, you know, got that. This is where you are. I wonder what the conversation that would have been. That would be fascinating, isn't it? If the current self met the past self. <laughs> That's an incredible uh, thought experiment to have. Um, yeah. And I would say for my past self to meet me in that A-level stage, to actually hear where I am today, I know 16-year-old Brad, 17-year-old Brad would feel incredibly motivated to work even harder. So mm, mm. it's it's a shame that I couldn't have had that opportunity. But it makes me think right now, what is Brad in 10 years time going to say to this current Brad? Um, and that's quite a nice thought to have. So thanks for that thought experiment, Jill. I've never thought of that, but it is, it is motivating to think of um, not how far we've come, but also how far we can go and the positive impact we're going to have uh, on that journey and I think it's really important to emphasize the point of a journey because we can think oh I'm a housekeeper or I'm a cleaner I've got to do my undergrad I'm, I'm really struggling and striving to get a, mm. the role that I really want to do but it's not about the destination you know I'm on training now and I can say it's not about getting there it's about making the most of the opportunities along the way um and having fun as well um because yeah. <laughs> it is just a job as well whereas there's yeah. so much emphasis on it and you know in my experience it is a great job it's lovely to help people i mean what what would you say Jalal? Uh, i th i think like i think you're right i think definitely enjoy enjoy becoming you you know you're taking yourself for the journey 
and embrace yourself, embrace your, what you're thinking, be open-minded, but also enjoy the experiences that it brings in terms of like challenging you, letting you grow, letting you push your, you know, your dial from one way or the other. Um, I think embracement is, is is the key in terms of like, because my views have changed, have, I wouldn't say changed, have developed, that's the word I'd use. Um, so, you know, a lot of things I didn't know before, why I do now and I think that's a natural thing that comes over space and time um, but I think you've got to be ready to like you know embrace it like if you're always in the other sort of like you know resisting it I think you're robbing yourself of the you know of your own growth your own stimulation opportunities um, because you get to I think to really understand you you have to go through these um, you know experiences and pull you in different directions and we can only do that by being open-minded boundaried of course like you have to have boundaries and the discipline teaches you that with good practice and listen to other clinicians and people who've been in the industry for a long time as well as reading so I do think that I think you're right about enjoying the the experience but I think it's like you become you or you're becoming you through the process because even I'm sure like when you do your training you go through a lot of like, well, who are you? And, you know, what you're about and really discovering who you are, like raising self-awareness. Mm, absolutely. And that could be wrong. That no, could be wrong, but I don't know. No, no, absolutely. Thank you for touching on that because I think I, when when you asked me about the course, I, I went straight into maybe doing mode. Uh, we're doing research, I'm on placement and I do assignments, but actually, whilst I'm on training now, we're getting so emerged in psychological models, theory and research. And it is amazing what we're learning and you can apply that to yourself. So that there's been plenty of times where I think, well, what actually is the most important thing to me right now? Um, how, how much am I living to my values? Um, where, you know, where am I putting my time? How am I, how am I thinking actually about myself? Is is how I'm interacting with people, how I wish to interact with people. So it's really increased my self-awareness, my emotional intelligence. And yeah, I think you really touched on something there in terms of embracing the journey. I certainly felt the same. I might fight the journey, like I'm a support worker. I want to be an assistant psychologist and I'm fighting it, or I was fighting it anyway. But there's no point in fighting it um, by embracing the opportunity. You can make the most out of it. And when you make the most out of it, that's when you find you're going to go on to the next opportunity much sooner. And I think by embracing opportunities, that's something that can really help us change our mindset. As soon as you feel as if you're ready to be a psychologist, that's when you're going to have more success in securing a place as an assistant psychologist or on the training program. So I think having that belief again, that you can do it um, is really important. So not discounting the experience that we've gained. Um, yeah, I, I, and just to touch on something that I've really discovered recently, um, which I'd say to younger Brad, is to embrace the discomfort. So maybe if I feel any anxiety, rather than trying to fight it, embrace it and use it to be um, the best you can at whatever you're doing because those feelings 
we've evolved to feel anxiety to um, help us. We haven't evolved it to um, damage us, but you know, over the past couple of years, I try and fight that, and maybe it would make me think, oh, I shouldn't go for this opportunity. Whereas now I've reflected on that and realised by embracing that discomfort, that's when we can go outside of our comfort zone and learn, develop, and help more. No, and, and you know, um, and, and don't don't give up on that, Brad, isn't it? Like on that younger Brad, don't give up on the future Brad. Like don't give up on him. That's that's the that's like um, I suppose part of them is giving them a chance, isn't it? Give yourself a chance. Like <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if you can't like in football. We say it can't doesn't matter if you can't score the goal, but create the chance. You know, we know with numbers and probability that there's a good chance that you'll you score the goal. You know. But without creating the chance, like we talk about opportunities, don't create the opportunities, then you're going to be restricted because it's cause and effect. And that's nothing to do with you. It's just nature in itself, isn't it? The way we interact with the world. Um, but yeah, I, I, maybe it's like it's it, it might be worth catching up um, with you later on uh, down the line when you're finishing your training. Um, if you're still in, in you know, if you're still in good in good order, um, if that's the word to use. But at this point, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to speak on this podcast. I'm going to hand over the microphone to you and you have the final word. And once you stop talking, I will stop recording. Well, firstly, thank you so much, Jalil, for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been delightful to reflect back on that experience, to learn from you, um, to engage in that thought experiment about what would future Brad say to Brad right now. And to anyone listening, I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. I hope you take some value out of it. Um, and I think I really want to end on that message of it is such a honour and privilege to sit in a room with someone to hear their story and to help out in any way possible. And had I known that when I was striving on this journey where I wasn't embracing all the opportunities, but maybe fighting them, wanting better opportunities, perhaps knowing how great it is to be, um, you know, able to help people in the way that I want to, it may have motivated me even more. So whilst it is a long journey, it's a very worthwhile one too. So all the best in your journeys and thank you again for listening. Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do.